Welcome back to the Worldview Minute. I'm Pastor Levi Secord at Christ Bible Church in the Twin Cities. As we've walked through the doctrine of Scripture, and again, what we've been doing as we lay down the foundations here is to show you the comprehensive nature of the Christian faith and worldview. I mean, worldview really is just another word for faith, the system that we believe. There is a system element to Scripture. Again, creation, fall, redemption, recreation. And we want I want to take a pause here on that and talk about the chief rival, at least one of the chief rivals of Christianity in the West today, and that's the idea of secularism. What is secularism? Well, really that term secular can be used in a, in a lot of different ways. And so, so we're going to unpack that just a little bit here. But I want to start with a quote for you um, from Nancy Piercy. And this quote comes from her book, Saving Leonardo. Right? This is what she says. True wisdom consists in seeing every field of knowledge through the lens of God's truth. We could say God's word. Government, economics, science, business, and the arts. When Christians speak of a worldview, they are simply using modern terminology to restate the Bible's comprehensive claim. Again, that's Nancy Piercy. She's 100% correct. When we say worldview, we just are saying the Bible is not a religion in the sense that secularism says religion. Yeah, well, what do you mean by that? What I mean is the, the Christi- our Christianity is not a religion as secularism defines it, that it is only for a private and religious uh, sphere of life. But rather, the Bible makes comprehensive claims. And I've been, I've been laying that out for you again and again, but that the church and the West in general have so believed and just assumed the secular understanding of faith that we have forfeited our ground. We have, we have become sub-Christian. Our Protestant forefathers would barely even recognize this. So what is secularism? What do I mean by that? Well, secularism forces a secular and sacred divide into life. That there are parts of life that are private and sacred, and there are parts of life that are secular. And in those secular parts of life, uh, whether it be science or education or politics and government or, or businesses, those parts are to be free of religion. We have whole organizations like Freedom from Religion uh, that, that, that make this argument that, that there are spheres of life where religion has no place. And society and the individual is better if religion is kept out of those areas. Sure, all right, secularism says that it's fine if you have beliefs, it's fine if you have religion, and it's even good if you have religion as long as it stays in its proper cage. As long as it stays in its proper little sphere and you don't believe it too much. And so secularism then takes this role that there are neutral areas, neutral areas of life, where secularism and the dogma of secularism becomes the arbiter, arbiter of what is true. And that we can find truth by the, the dogmas or the beliefs and the doctrines of secularism. That in all public parts of life, it, be, it claims secularism to be the objective and neutral measure of what is true. And so religion is moved to the private and subjective areas of life. It's really reduced to something that you just do that works for you, whereas in other areas of life, there are true facts. So this introduces something else that Nancy Piercy talks about, the fact-value split. All right. So we have facts and science. We can even have facts in government and facts in math. And then there's value. Right? We talk about things like family value or the values of a church. And Christians really should not talk about values. Because values is a appeal to subjectivism. Something has value because I value it. Right? These are our family values. These are our church values. No, Christianity claims that these things are true. Whether you value them or not, whether society values them or not, these things are facts. And so what secularism is really arguing is that there are really two different kinds of knowledge claims out there. There are opinions, 
in values and, and personal preferences. And then there are facts. And religion is in the values and personal opinions. And really, when you are say that I'm a Christian or I'm a Muslim or I'm a whatever, you are claiming a different type of knowing that is subjective and that there really are two different uh, types of, of truth claims out there. There are personal preferences and, this, and then there are actual true facts. Secular areas of life deal with facts. Personal sacred areas of life deal with values and opinions. And the problem is, is this reduces Christianity to something it has never claimed to be, which is little more than just a personal preference like I prefer sausage pizza over pineapple pizza. I don't know why people would ever put pineapple on their pizza, but for those of you who do, whatever. But that's not what Christianity has ever claimed to be, as we've been unpacking here. It claims to be true to what is there. It's not a, it's not a personal preference. It's not an opinion. And it's not a value. This is what is true. That is what Christianity is claiming. And secularism has all kinds of weaknesses because it has no foundation to build upon. It claims to be neutral, but as we get to these later stages of secularism, it is very clear that it's not neutral. Our schools are no longer even trying to hide their agendas. Our scientists don't hide their agendas. There are politicians who don't hide their agendas. These are not neutral, fact-finding people anymore. They have religious and dogmatic beliefs about secularism that are unquestionable, that are religious in nature. The, the idea that God makes no claim in this area or that religion makes no claim in this area is not a scientific proposition that can be tested. It is a asserted dogmatic belief that is religious in nature, whether it claims to be or not. So secularism in kicking God out has to have a foundation for something or for everything else that it builds upon. And what it does is it, it turns to the self because humans still claim and are still desire meaning. They still desire purpose, but secularism has ridded much of life from that purpose. And in order to try to fill that void, we now turn within and we look for meaning and purpose in our life and in our secular spheres of life in the autonomous self that no one can question my beliefs. No one can question my values, my beauty, my morality, my gender identity, and whatever it is. And what we have now seen is that secularism, in trying to parse apart life into private areas and public areas and sacred areas and secular areas, leads to fragmented living, especially within the church. Because much of the American church and the Western church has bought into this, and we can baptize it into many different names, like two kingdoms. There are two kingdoms out there. You're like, well, not how you think about it. And what this happens is it forces us to, to live one way on Sundays when we're in church in another way for the rest of the week. With one way in our personal devotional lives, like God is God and Christ is preeminent over everything, but not anywhere else. And so we can have these grand sloganeering that pastors often do, or ministries often do, that God is supreme over all things. But we won't talk about some of those things. And we won't apply God's supremacy to some things. But we say God is supreme in all things, but we live like secularists. And we preach like secularists. And so what is the biblical response to this? How do we, how do we turn this back? Well, first we recognize what I've already said. Secularism is a faith. Its foundations are every bit as much based upon faith statements, not reason, not logic, not empirical data, but it is based on assertions that are faith. And it takes a leap of faith to say that naturalism is correct. It, is, it takes a leap of faith to say that we can have scientific empirical evidence if man is just a random accident. The reality is that secularism is every bit of faith. It is every bit driving its agenda and its beliefs and forcing it upon everybody else. Again, look at our schools. Look at our universities. 
Look at our, our politics. So secularism, we note, is not neutral. And this is what pastors have to come to terms with. Like, well, we, we want to have a, a secular sphere. We want to have a secular um, place for, sec- for civic dialogue. Well, we, I want civic dialogue, but we have to realize that secularism is a lie. Christianity opposes it at every turn. And how do we know this? Because of what we've just seen in the doctrine of Scripture, what we've seen in our, our episodes up to this point. Christianity makes a claim upon absolutely everything. It says, God created everything. God owns everything. God offers definition to everything. Christ holds all things together. Everything exists for Christ. Christ is redeeming all things. There is no secular part of life where Christ is not Lord. Now, is the fullness of the reality of Christ's lordship realized yet and applied fully and perfectly yet? No. But Christ claims lordship over absolutely everything, every sphere of life right now. The claim otherwise is to be contrary to the Bible. So we have these pastors and these Christians who end up talking out of both sides of their mouth. We say, we want to teach the whole counsel of God. But we don't want to teach what the Bible says about that area of life. Because that's not what the church should be talking about. We want to say, Christ is Lord over everything. But the church shouldn't talk about that. Biblical Christianity opposes secularism. Biblical Christianity starts with this comprehensive picture that God creates everything, rules over everything, sustains everything. The biblical Christianity teaches that Christ is Lord over everything. There is no sacred and secular split in life. Scripture addresses every area of life from science to politics to religion to the self. There is nothing that is off limits to the word of God and the authority of God. There is no secular sphere of life. That's what we have to come to terms with. That's what many Christians are come, coming to terms with. And if we, if we are truly saying that God is, God's supremacy is over all things, then we have to live like it. We have to preach like it. We have to teach like it. We have to say, Christ is Lord here. And as Lord, he makes demands here, this sphere of life, that sphere of life, this sphere, all spheres of life. The Christian worldview offers a comprehensive picture of life. The story of the universe is the creation, fall, redemption, and recreation of everything through the death and resurrection and second coming of the Lord and creator, Jesus Christ. It is a totalizing, um, integrative system of all of life. And Christians have lost sight of this. This is one thing we fail to recognize, is that part of the Protestant Reformation, especially Calvinism, because Calvinism, many Calvinists today are the worst on this, was this declaration that Christianity in Christ should impact and shape all of society and all of life. Now, did they get some of those things wrong as they worked out? I think they did, and we'll unpack that more later. But they were right in that assertion that Christianity and Christ in particular has authority over all things, now and forever. And this was a reaction to the secularizing force of, of, uh, of Catholicism at that time. But the Catholic Church really did say that you had secular jobs, like the shoemaker, and then if you really wanted to serve God, you needed to have um, a sacred job, like a monk or a priest. And Martin Luther in particular and the other reformers rebelled against this, right? That even the shoemaker is serving and bringing glory to God, just as the pastor is, just as the priest is, that they all are serving God in, in everything they do because all of this universe is God's. All of it is underneath Christ's lordship, and all of it is being redeemed. And evangelicalism in the last hundred years or so has slipped back into a Catholic way of thinking uh, as it's divided salvation and the work of Christ from the rest of life. We only care about personal salvation. We can't care about less than personal salvation. We need to say that. But we now only care about that. And the church can only talk about where the reformers said, no, Christ is Lord over everything. This salvation, this personal salvation changes absolutely everything that Christ rules over all. And this should impact the shoemaker and the pastor and the politician and the governor and the king and everything. And in that impulse, they are right. 
And it is to our detriment that we have lost sight of that. So let me end with a quote here from from Nancy Piercy again. Christianity is not just religious truth. It is total truth covering all of reality. And that comes from her book, Total Truth. Christianity is not just religious truth. It is total truth covering all of reality. That is what we're unpacking here. And we're going to keep going. We're going to keep laying these foundations. And we're going to start applying these into all the major spheres of life that you can see that Christ Lord's, or is Lord over everything. And we're doing that one minute at a time. I encourage you to like, comment, and share this video as we glorify Christ uh, and showing his lordship over absolutely everything.